morning. How y'all doing? All right. Uh, I just want to say welcome again to the uh, new visitors. My name is Van. Van with one N. Believe it or not, I've seen people spell it with two. I don't know. But uh, let's just uh, quickly pray, okay? Lord Father, thank you for this morning. Uh, thank you for worship. Lord Father, thank you for the exhortation. And thank you for the word that you've placed in my heart, Lord God. Uh, I pray that uh, mm, I would do you justice, that I would give you glory and honor through it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right, so we're in our, uh, I think, fifth week in our series of Salt and Light. All right, and we're, we're coming to a close. And, and to, to kick off this message, we're going to take a little trip down memory lane. Is, is, is that okay? All right, so all, for all you uh, married couples in here, or, or if, if you're in a relationship, I want you to, to remember back, uh, all the way back to the beginning and try to remember were there certain things that you did to impress the other. You, you jogging your memory? Did you wear a certain cologne? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Certain, certain perfume? I make sure I got to smell good. He, he, he going to be there today. Did you wear a certain shirt? You know, did, did, you, did you try to, uh, you know, put your talent in front of the other to try to impress them a little bit? Did it work? Did you not impress? Well, that was sort of my situation with Naomi. Uh, you know, we were in college, and, and you know, there was this point where the leaders kind of commissioned us, hey, hey guys, get out, get out of your bubble of friends and try to make new ones. Make some new friends, you know? You, you know, mingle a little bit. So, uh, you know, we, we were at this beach retreat, which we had at, you know, at the end of the year, and we would go to the beach, and, you know, there'd be word and fellowship. And, you know, I walk up uh, to Naomi to, to start a convo, and, and I know what you're probably thinking. You th you're thinking I was probably trying to flirt. No. No. No, no, honestly, I, I was being obedient to the, to the command of making new friends. I was, I was. Maybe a little bit. But I, I really was trying to be obedient. You know, so she's standing near the kitchen, eating out of a bag of Doritos, you know, healthy, healthy college food. And, and, I, and I start talking to her, you know. And I'm a silly guy, so, you know, I was a silly one, and, and one of the silly ones, and I, I would make people laugh. So, you know, my, my talent, per se, would, would be to be humorous, you know, uh, to, to share my humor with people. So, you know, I was trying to share my humor with Naomi. But the thing is, I guess it just didn't work immediately. Because while I was talking to her, she was just eating out of her bag of Doritos with the blankest face like. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And I was just like, hmm. Okay. And, you know, as, I, as I'm 
well, trying to hold a conversation. I'm really just the only one talking. I don't even remember her saying anything. Uh, she may have responded a little bit. You know, there was this break in, in me talking. And, and, you know, I was waiting for a response. Because, you know, that's what you do in a conversation, right? You talk. Someone responds. And then you do this back and forth thing until, it, until it's over. Well, I was waiting for a response. And then she just leaves. She didn't say bye. She didn't say, you know what? That was a great convo. Thank you. She just, she just left, leaving me, staring into the kitchen, and didn't even leave me any Doritos. You know, she just, she just left me there. And I was like, hmm. That, that hurt. That hit right here. Because you know, usually, usually I, would get, I, would, I would get a smile out of somebody. You know, she was, she was like, like that nut that was tough to crack or whatever. And, and, you know, in all my effort to try to make her smile, or, it just didn't seem to work. But you know, it eventually did. As you know, it eventually did. Amen. Uh, as believers, uh, we can strive uh, to be great and, uh, well, not great, devout followers of Jesus. And, you know, in our walk with Christ, we have to put into our, we have to put in our own effort, you know, work out our salvation, you know, be righteous before a holy God. But if we get uh, too caught up in, in the effort of being righteous, it can become more about impressing God than seeking Him. Today we're going to talk about how our righteousness can impact us being or becoming the salt and light to the world. And our text today will be in Isaiah 58 verses 1 through 12. So let's read. Shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud. Don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of their sins, yet they act so pious. They come to the temple every day and seem delighted to learn all about me. They act like a righteous nation that can never abandon the laws of, of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want to be near me. We have fasted before you, they say. Uh, why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves, and you don't even notice it, like Naomi with me. I, t I, will, I, will, I will tell you why I respond. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds, bending in the wind, you dress in burlap and cover yourself with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of, of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. 
Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here. He will quickly reply, remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness. And the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. Amen. So in the first five verses uh, of this text, God is just not, he's not pulling any punches here. There's no sugarcoating, no glazing. You know, he's just giving them the, the raw truth. He's saying, Israel, you know what? You guys are being hypocrites. You're, you're in hypocrisy. You know, he begins to point out their, uh, their selfishness. They're putting on this form of godliness and denying the power that could change their very lives. And, and this is what it pretty much means, how it looks like. They're looking good on the outside. You know, got the robe. You know, their, their work, they got their works of salvation going on for them. I mean, look at how they fast. They, they put on the burlap. You know, they put the ashes all over themselves and, you know, in, in their hair. And they're saying, look at how we fast. But, but you know what? If you take a look on the inside and, man, that's not looking so fresh. That heart's not looking so, so good. You know, God is saying, Israel, let's keep it 100. Let's keep it a buck. Call a spade a spade. Let's keep it real. You're doing this for yourselves. None of that is to, to really please me, to honor and, glor and glorify me. No, you're doing this to please yourselves. In short, they're being self-righteous. Self-righteous means this. Convinced of one's own righteousness, especially in contrast with the action and belief of others. Narrow-mindedly moralistic. Self-righteous. When our righteousness begun, begins to turn its outlook or vision inward, when it stops thinking of others and begins to adore itself with the praises of its peers, along with its own self-adoration, it becomes something it's definitely not. It changes its form. It ceases to be righteousness. 
It becomes pride. It becomes self-effort. It becomes independence from a holy God. And God speaks about this later on in the New Testament in Matthew 6. You know, Jesus is speaking some of the same stuff that God has told Isaiah to write down. Different time frame, but the same troubles. Verse 16, it says, And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. Verses 19 and 20 says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths and, uh, eat them. And on Guam, we have some big ones. I don't know about you, but I've seen some huge ones. And, and rust destroys them. And where these break and steal, store your treasures in heaven where Guam moths and rust cannot destroy. And thieves do not break in and steal. See, self-righteousness, it will get you a reward. It definitely will. It'll be nice and shiny. It'll be, it'll be man-made. No machine work. Handcrafted. But the thing is, that reward, it will rust. It will decay. Your moth outside your, your light, you'll eat it up. And it will be destroyed. When we are self-righteous, we deceive, or deceive ourselves into thinking that a reward from creation is better than a reward from the Creator. We trade the worship of our Father in for the worship of ourselves. And sadly, when that happens, our salt begins to lose its taste. And our light begins to grow dim. And we won't be able to show people God because we'll be so busy oppressing them. In verse 6 it says, God says, let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. In Hebrew, the word oppressed is nagas. It's, it means to, to drive, to tax, to harass, tyrannize. Or in reference to a driver, like a taskmaster, ta taskmaster or a slave master. Like, uh, for reference, like if, if you were a farmer and you own some oxen and you're plowing the field, you can drive that oxen too hard until exhaustion or, or even death. Oppression has a best friend, and, and, it's, and, and, and their name is called legalism. So if we live in any form of that, it will oppress, harass, drive, and tyrannize the people we might very well think we are helping. And we see this in the Pharisees of the New Testament. We see this in uh, John chapter 9 where uh, a man born blind is healed. Remember the story where Jesus takes some, he takes some spit and he spits into some mud and, and he wipes it on on, on the person's eyes, and then he says, go wash, and then he's, he's healed. So I'll paraphrase the, the story a little bit. So after he's healed, his, his friends take him to the synagogue so he can meet with the Pharisees and, you know, confirm the healing. 
And they begin to ask all these questions. And then they find out who did it. Oh, that Jesus guy? Oh, not him again. Tired of hearing about him. So they're asking him questions. They already don't like it because Jesus healed on the Sabbath. And they say, you know what? Go get your parents. We, we just want to confirm. The parents come and, he, and they want to confirm that he's, he's really been blind uh, uh, from, from, from birth. And his parents start to get kind of anxious and, and worried. It was like, hey, hey, he's a grown man. Why don't you ask him yourself? We, we don't need to be a part of this. Let us go back home. You know, we were watching TV. You know? So they call the guy back in and start asking him the same questions over. And he's like, didn't I just tell you this? Didn't I just tell you these answers? And they're, and they're asking him in a way to discredit Jesus because, you know, they don't like the guy. They don't like him. And it gets to a point where they kick the man out of the synagogue because he makes a point like, well, how else would he be able to do these things if he wasn't from God? So they kick him out. See, instead of embracing and honoring this miracle, they harass and oppress a man because of their jealousy and the hatred of Jesus. You know, he's not doing it the way we want him to, uh, want him to or the, the way we, we like. And if we're not careful, you know, we can do this now, today, present day. Say someone gets saved and they come into our church and they're looking for leadership and direction and fellowship and, and then God touches them and, 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 and they're delivered from a stronghold that's been in their life for a while. You know, instead of embracing that and, and championing what God did in their life, we could be more concerned about how they still look how they still talk, how they still carry themselves. And we'll drive that new believer away just like the Pharisees did if we live in that legalistic, that self-righteous way. Selfish has to transition to selfless. Righteousness by our own standards has to transition to righteousness by God's standard. And we need to we need this to happen to be the, the salt and light to the world. We need to heed God's instruction. And we need to be led by the Holy Spirit. And, and we find that what, what we desperately need in the second half of our text, uh, God begins to explain what real righteousness looks like. In verse 7, He challenges us to take care of those in need. You know, feed the hungry, clothe the naked. Do not hide from relatives when they need help. Which we might do today. <laughs> Children, I see a lot of you in here, bless you. When your parent needs that remote, don't run and hide. Don't run and hide. If your father, let's say, wants a little bit of your snack, and your father's hungry, Help him out. Give him that fruit snack. Give him that cookie. 
Amen. Help them out. The Lord said, feed the hungry. You know, in my case, if there's a dirty diaper, throw it away for me. Help, help me out. Please help me out. In verse 10, God states it again. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. You know, we can, uh, of course, take this literally, and we should, but there's, there's way more here. You know, there's uh, many starving souls in the earth, on this world, and they're looking for some type of nourishment, some type of meaning, and, and, they, and they, they find themselves sometimes troubled in their, their very own spirit and soul and, and, and their mind. And we as believers have something awesome, something precious to give them. We have the bread of life where if you, if you drink of him, you'll never thirst again. We have the gospel. Give the gospel. Give Jesus. Give hope. Give love, give grace, give mercy. Give them you. Because they need it. And as we season and light up this world, God reassures us that our salvation will come, that He will heal, He will guide and protect, and He, will, he won't be silent. He will speak if our ears are open to hear. And he promises a relationship. He promises himself. And nothing can be better than that, right? To have a relationship with the Son of God. And we get to be just as close as any disciple ever was. You know, I want to I say this before I... I close in a little bit. Don't think for a second that your level of relationship with Jesus is limited by the physical realms of this world. Because I, I tell you, there were some people that sat right next to him. There were some people that heard his audible voice, heard his teachings. There was even some people that could touch him. But the thing is, their hearts were very far from Him. Just because we're living in this present day doesn't mean that you can't be just as close to Jesus. And now that the Holy Spirit has come, we kind of even get better things. You know, as He ascended and He brought His Holy Spirit down. So in closing... We can believe in Jesus, come to church. We can follow the teachings of the Bible. But if there is no relationship, if we are not led by the Holy Spirit, then our righteousness can become something that really reeks before a holy God. Let's allow God to search our hearts and reveal any false righteousness that we may have because others' salvation and even our own depend on it. Amen? Let's pray.
Lord Father, thank you for giving us your word and thank you that we could dig into it and, and see how we're supposed to live this life, Lord Father. I pray, Lord Father, that we truly would allow you to search our hearts and root up any, anything that's not of you there. Lord Father, I pray, the Lord God, that as we walk through life that you know, we wouldn't be we wouldn't let self-righteousness creep in. We wouldn't let any legalism creep into our lives. But Father, thank you for your promises and your word that if, if, if we look to you for our righteousness, if we keep our eyes on you, if we keep our relationship intact with you, Lord Father, you will guide and protect and do so many more things. So Lord Father, keep us, keep us, Lord God, Protect us from the enemy. Keep us humble. Keep us dependent on you. Keep that, that relationship strong. Lord Father, I, I pray that you would help us keep that relationship strong with you. And if, and if there's anyone here today that they've been thinking about a relationship with Christ, they've possibly been thinking about their own righteousness before holy God, and you want to get things right with God. You want to come into this awesome relationship with Jesus Christ. If you want to do that today, I just simply ask you to raise your hand now. And, and I'll see you and we can pray together. Is there anyone like that today? I see you. Anyone else? I see you. Anyone else? I see you. I see you there. Okay, let's pray. You can just piggyback off me. Lord Father, I realize that I'm not perfect. I realize that I fail at some things. And when I look to you, a, a holy and perfect God, I just don't measure up. But I thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for me. And I'm saying now to you, I declare that I believe in Jesus Christ. That he died and he arose to save me. And I ask you to come into my life this very moment. That you would come into my life right now. Holy Spirit, do your job. Work. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. I pray for this moment that you would help me walk out this new life with you. That I would get to experience your grace and mercy and above all else, your love. And that you would fill me with your love. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. And for all of us today, Lord Father, as we go forward in the week, I pray that uh, we would allow you to really search our hearts. Uh, and that anything that you would reveal, that we would find, that we would bring it to the cross. Lord Father, and crucify it there. Thank you for what you're doing in our hearts today. Thank you for loving on us. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. For those who, for those who gave their life to the Lord today, we would love to meet you. And first, I want to say congratulations. Welcome to the family. Um, after service, you can just head off to my right at this table over here. Again, we would love to meet you, get to know who you are, and we have a little gift for you, okay? Be blessed, church. You're dismissed. And I'm rising up with you. Rising up with you. Rising up with you. Rising up with you. You take me high on the wings of your truth. Yes, I'm rising up with you. I'm rising up with you.